Uh, okay, so uh, today we're going to start another short series. I like to do these during the summer especially. And we're going to be looking through the book of Proverbs at themes. And uh, themes or words. Words to the wise is what I'm calling the series. And, and the first word we're going to start with is fear because of the verse that we had for Scripture reading, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, found in uh, Proverbs 9.10. And then there's Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And, and those are key to understanding Proverbs as a whole. Uh, and so I just want to start with that one. And, and so we'll look at some others over the weeks to come. Uh, so everybody's favorite word is fear, right? Probably not. We're going to spend some time today. We're going to define the word, try to understand what it means, uh, come to terms with that. Then we'll see what fear does for us because it does things for us. And then we will finally see what fear does to us. And hopefully we'll walk away with a healthy understanding and a healthy fear of the Lord uh, and live our lives right. So fear in the book of Proverbs. In Proverbs, you know, the Proverbs was not written in English. They didn't sit down. I wish they had in English and written it because it would be so much easier. <clears throat> but then I might be out of a job. I don't know. Uh, there are five different words in, in, that in my New American Standard Version of the Bible that I use here, uh, five different Hebrew words that are translated fear in, in my English Bible. Okay, two of these words are only used once. Uh, one of them means quaking or trembling, and the other one means terror. And, and so those two words, are, they're, they're translated fear in, in mind. They're, they're only used once, and, and we're done with them. Uh, one is used twice, and it seems to simply mean fear. And, and it doesn't seem to add anything. We're not going to look at that one anymore at all. That leaves two, and they're two forms of the same word. And, and uh, is Jeff here? Oh, good. Then he won't be pained by my pronunciation. <laughs> my pronunciation of these Hebrew words will not be correct. But in English, they look like yeri and yera, two forms of the same word. Okay, yeri is the most common Hebrew word for fear in the Old Testament, but it is only used in Proverbs five times. Uh, and... Uh, Four of those times, it's part of the phrase, the fear of the Lord. The other one, yirah, is the most common word for fear in Proverbs. It's used 14 times in the book of Proverbs. Every single time as part of the phrase, fear of the Lord. In fact, almost, not every time, but most of the times you find this word yirah in the Bible, in the Old Testament, it is part of the phrase, fear of the Lord. And so that's key for understanding uh, what the fear of the Lord is. And that's what we're going to focus on here. Uh, that, that word fear, or that phrase, fear of the Lord. And so the first thing I did was, because, you know, the, there's the experts out there, and you always have to discount, I shouldn't say, you, you, you shouldn't discount the experts until at least you hear what they say, and then you see why they're wrong, and, and then you can discount them. So I looked up some statements on fear of the Lord. This one is from my, one of my favorite resources. It's called Pictorial, Pictorial Encyclopedia of the Bible. It's five volumes, uh, and, and it says, it describes fear this way. It says, the fear of the Lord. The most prevalent use of fear in the Bible is the fear of God, this is the reverential or awesome side of the fear spectrum. So I, I didn't know there was a reverential or awesome side of the fear spectrum, but, but apparently at this side is reverent awe where you go, oh. and at this side is terror where you go, ah! <laughs> right? And so, and so this, this book defi defines fear of the Lord as this side over here, way, way removed from that side. Okay, uh, then we go to another source. This one is from the Concise Dictionary of Evangelical Theology. It says, fear, 
a negative experience of anticipation of pain or great distress, also a reverence and respect for someone or something, particularly for God. So fear is either the expectation of something negative or it's a reverent, awesome relationship or vision towards God. And you find that both of these explanations of the fear of the Lord remove the aspect of fear from the fear of the Lord. It's kind of interesting. Uh, and so the idea of, of for, I just want to make this clear, the idea of fear, be, fear of the Lord being some kind of reverential awe or, or uh, I don't know what you call it, holy something <laughs> is widespread. It's, it's, it's largely held, and, I'm, and I, my plan now is to blast that out of the water because I don't believe it is at all accurate. Uh, most of the time, most of the time we find this word yirah translated explaining fear of the Lord. It, 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 most of the time we find this word yirah used, it is describing fear of the Lord, which seems to indicate it does need or does merit a separate definition from other fear, as if it is something different from all of those other things, because it's mostly used that way. However, do you know what it means when I say it's only mostly used that way? <laughs> it means you can still go through the pockets and search for money. If you're not a princess bride devotee, you won't catch that. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but there are some other uses of Yerah for fear. I want to turn first to the book of Psalms, Psalm 90, or no, Psalm 55. Well, then we'll go to Psalm 90. Psalm 55, uh, verses 4 and 5, use, uh, use this word Yerah, for fear. Tell me if you think it means reverential awe. My heart is in anguish within me, and the terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me, and horror has overwhelmed me. So the word is used there with fear and trembling. Okay, now do you think it is describing reverential awe in that passage? He used the word terror in the same phrase. Right? He's, he's, he's equating it with that. But if, there, if it was only used then, but let's go to Psalm 90, verse 11. Psalm 90, verse 11. Who understands the power of your anger and your fury according to the fear that is due you? <laughs> So he's speaking very directly about being afraid of God, and he, he, compa- he talks about who understands the power of your angry and the fury, the power of your anger and the fury, your fury according to the fear that is due you. Uh, if, if you are afraid of somebody's fury, do you call that reverence? It, now, awe might work, <laughs> but it's not reverential awe. It's something different. This is, this is describing real fear. Let's keep moving on. This one, this one isn't as powerful, but it's just kind of fun to apply to this idea of reverence and awe. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 25. It's, it's just a, a different tack here a little bit. Isaiah 7, 25 says this. As for all the hills which used to be cultivated with the plow, you will not go there for fear of briars and thorns, but they will become a place for pasture land and for sheep to trample. For fear of briars and thorns. Anybody here fear briars and thorns? Yeah, me too. You know, my brother once, <laughs> my brother 
he paled in comparison to me, but he was also accident prone. And one day he was riding down Freya Hill. Those of you who know Freya know it goes like this. And, and, and he's doing that on his 10-speed, coming home from, from uh, school. A car, as he goes under that dip, the car looks up, doesn't see him. By the time the car starts moving, he's coming out like this. He hits the car, sails over it, and guess what he lands in? A thorn bush. I mean, a rose bush. <laughs> a rose bush. <laughs> I expected him to come home just looking like, Frankenstein something. He actually, I don't know where he got cut because it wasn't visible with his clothes on. <laughs> but but there, you know what? There, it is healthy to have a fear of briars and thorns, but would you ever descri- describe it as a reverential awe? You see, we're starting to find that this word actually means fear. It means fear. Even though it's mostly used in, rev- uh, in the fear of the Lord, uh, it, it still means fear. But we're not done Ezekiel. Chapter 30, verse 13. Now, this one should get your attention. Ezekiel chapter 30, verses, uh, verse 13, sorry. This is what the Lord God says. I will also destroy the idols and make the images cease from Memphis, and there will no longer be a prince in the land of Egypt, and I will put, the fear, put fear in the land of Egypt. Now, does that sound like a threat to you? Oh, you're not afraid of me? I will make you afraid of me, <laughs> right? I will put the fear of God. I will, yeah, it, it, Dad, <laughs> you ever said these words? I'm about to put the fear of God into that boy, <laughs> right? You understand that phrase? Uh, we understand that phrase. That's what God is saying about Egypt here. I am going to put the fear of God in them. Uh, he's not saying so that they will have reverence, although that is an end result that we're looking for, uh, but that's not the starting point. Uh, but the one I like the best, go back to, to the giving of the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20, verses 19 and 20. Now, what, what sometimes we don't understand, we, we, we read the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, we, we don't catch is that this is given verbally. The Ten Commandments were first given verbally. It's not till chapters later that Moses goes up on the mountain and gets them engraved in stone, twice. Uh, but so, but that, that's going to follow later on. First, it's given visibly and all the people hear it. And here is their response after they hear the Ten Commandments given, verses 19 and 20. That doesn't look right. Oh, I'm in Deuteronomy. (laughs) Deuteronomy 20 will not tell you what Exodus 20 says. Deuteronomy 20, 19 and 20. Then they said to Moses, speak to us. Exodus. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Exodus 20, like I, I, that's a good, I have an excuse this time. Exodus 20, 19 and 20. Then they said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. More, however, Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come in order to test you and in order that the fear of him may re- remain with you so that you will not sin. So the people are saying, please don't let God speak to us. We're afraid we will die. Moses, you go talk to him. We don't care if you die, right? That's what they're saying. Uh, Moses, you go be the guy that goes out there and speaks to God. That's your job. Please don't make us listen to God because we're afraid it's going to kill us. Uh, This fear thing, see, defining the fear of the Lord may not be so easy 
as what people try to make it. And, and so where do we find the right answer? And guess what? I went to another source. It was one I was expecting to find another bad definition of, and I found a really, really good one instead, one of my commentaries. And it's, it's better than I can put it. It says, the term yurah can be used to describe dread. And we're not going to look up all these verses, but as in Deuteronomy 1.21. Being terrified, as in Jonah 1.10. Which, by the way, being Jonah, Jonah 1.10 isn't talking about Jonah being terrified of the fish. It's about the sailors being terrified when they heard that Jonah was running away from the God who made the heavens and the earth, and the storm was on account of him. Because they're going, oh no, what do we do now? Right? They're, they're scared of the storm. They're scared of Jonah. They're scared of Jonah's God. They're scared of what's going to do if Jonah's with them. They're scared of what's going to do if they kill Jonah, because he's being set there. You know, what do you do? They're terrified. That's what, the, that's what this word yurah. Standing in, in awe in 1 Kings 3.28 or having reverence in Leviticus 9.3. And it says, makes this statement, with the Lord as its object, yurah captures both aspects of shrinking back in fear and of drawing close in awe. So it allows for that sense of reverential awe, but it also allows for the sense of dread. And you don't put it at one end of the spectrum. It is the spectrum. It, in, it in, includes the entire spectrum, the fear of the Lord. And that is, that is so important for us to understand. The fear of the Lord means whatever God needs it to mean to you right now. Uh, not what you need it to mean. It's not defined by you. It's defined by God and his relationship for you. And you know the difference between being afraid of your dad's spanking. Well, maybe some of you don't. Spoiled punks. <laughs> Some of us know what it means to be afraid of dad spanking or knew what it meant to be afraid of dad spanking and to be afraid of that. But we also knew what it meant to, to be afraid of disappointing dad, right? And they are very different fears on that fear spectrum. I never thought about a fear spectrum before, but, but they're very different fears, right? And, and depending on what you are doing and how you are relating to God in it, you might need to be deathly afraid of God or you might need to be afraid of disappointing God or, or simply not be, being afraid of, as, as Annie was talking about, you know, Lord, I'm amazed by you. And, and, and it's like, I don't think we will ever stop being afraid of God, in this, but not a sense of, oh, no, what's he going to do to me? But, but like just to be in God's presence is awesome, and it will never stop being awesome. And I don't know that we can handle that even in eternity to be that close to him. The fear of God means whatever it needs to mean to put you into a right relationship with God. If you are a rebellious punk living in defiance of God, you had better be afraid. If you are walking close to God, then awe and reverence are appropriate. And that would be what it means. The, here's the thing is, if you, if you define it in a term, if you define the word or the, the meaning of fear of God in such a way that it takes the fear out of it, then you have made for yourself a very convenient definition that will keep the fear of God from doing what it's supposed to do in your life. Because the fear of God is good for us. The fear of God helps us to live the way we're supposed to live. It helps us to be in relationship with him if we don't, if, if, as we need to. But if it only means reverential awe, then we never have to go to this side of the spectrum. We never have to say, oh, I'm afraid of what God might do to me, when in fact you should be afraid of what God might do to you if you are living over there. So I have a real quick list book from the book of Proverbs because, uh, there are four, as I said, there are 14 times that this word yurah is used for fear of the Lord. Uh, so I'm going to hit all 14 of them, and some of them overlap. 
what the fear of the Lord does for us, a quick list. First, it is the beginning of knowledge, 1-9, or 1-7. Okay. And so we'll be looking in Proverbs now. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. It is the beginning of knowledge, and it is contrasted with fools who despise wisdom and instruction. This is the fool who has said in his heart, there is no God, right? The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Uh, and this is, this is that fool. He does not fear God, and he has no respect for godly teaching. He doesn't need instruction. He doesn't need to hear the words of God. He despises them. He will never gain true knowledge until he learns the fear of the Lord. And once he learns the fear of the Lord, that will change. Okay, uh, Chapter 1, verse 29, this is one of those that has overlapping verses that, that say the same thing. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. And, and this gives us a little bit of insight on it. They hated knowledge. You see, truth has ramifications. Truth makes an impact on you. It, 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 if you are um, driving 60 and you all of a sudden see a school zone, that should make an impact on how you drive. <laughs> it, it had better, if not, then you need to be over there. Sorry, right now. <laughs> Bad side of fear. Yeah, it makes an impact because it, there is a truth there that has dawned on you. Oh, no, this is dangerous. I might hurt something. In addition to just simply it's against the law, it's you don't want to hit a kid, right? And so, so the truth makes a difference. The truth has ramifications. And, and what they hate is not the truth itself. It's the impact the truth makes on their lives. Why do so many people deny God today? Because they don't want what God brings with him. They don't want rules on righteousness. They don't want to have to give up sinful ways and sinful things. And it's so, but, but if they, they say, well, God, is, they, it's really hard to say God is real, but I'm going to ignore him. So it's much easier to say, well, I don't believe in him or I don't believe that or some, something along that lines and, and simply choose not to believe the truth. And it's not that they don't think it's true. It's not like they've gone through a process. They choose. They made a choice based on what they want to believe. Based on what I want to believe, I choose to believe this. And they're not choosing based on the evidence. They're choosing based on their desires, which, of course, we can't imagine our society doing, right? <laughs> that shouldn't have to be a joke, but, you know. So they don't choose the fear of the Lord. And, you know, we think it's a new thing in our society that people choose whatever truth they want for themselves and say, your truth is true for you and my truth is true for me. And we, and we think that's a new error. And yet we find here in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 29, uh, they, did, they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They didn't like what it meant. You cannot choose the truth because the truth is true whether you choose to make it believe it's truth or not. But you can choose to deny it, and that is not a new thing at all. Chapter uh, 2, verse 5 builds on this same thought, and I'm going to read 2, 1 through 5 because it's one consistent thought here. My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom. Incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek for her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. 
For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth. I'm sorry, that was as far as I wanted to go. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. If you choose to seek wisdom, then the fear of the Lord will make sense to you. You will understand it. It will come to you. It it builds on that same thought. Uh, You will discover the knowledge of God as you learn to fear the Lord. It's, It's like the flip side of the same thing. So that's the first one we have, is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The second one, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Chapter 8, verse 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride, arrogance, the evil way, and the perverted mouth I hate. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. As you learn the fear of the Lord, what God hates, you will hate. It will, this, this will simply make sense to you. You will not choose or value what he does not choose or value. What he says is wrong, you will say is wrong. And because he hates sin, you will learn to hate sin because the fear of the Lord moves you that way. That one was easy. Chapter 9, verse 10, fear of the Lord is beginning of wisdom, which is so much like the beginning of knowledge, and yet it's still different. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Knowledge is knowing. Wisdom is acting according to that knowledge or acting rightly according to that knowledge. Fear of the Lord prompts you to act according to godly knowledge. It's like, it's like the difference between saying, saying, I know what you say, but I don't care, and saying, I know what you say, so I will do it. Right? The fear of the Lord says, I know what you say, and because I fear God, I will do what is pleasing to him, uh, because I know what he says. Uh, the fear of the Lord is acting, it's wisdom, it's acting on that knowledge. Uh, tied with that one, Proverbs 15, verse 33. The fear of the Lord is the instruction for wisdom, and before honor comes humility. And, and that second half seems disconnected from the first half. The fear of the Lord is instruction for wisdom, and before honor comes humility. When you acknowledge God's greatness, your own significance, let's just say it falls into perspective, right? Uh, It's easy to think you're the baddest guy in the room until someone badder walks in, (laughs) right? It's easy to think you are the epitome of something until someone better walks in. And and when we see ourselves in relationship to God, humility comes in. And when we recognize God's wisdom, we recognize ourselves as having much less wisdom. One of my theories is that prophets cared very little for their own opinion on things. When we talk about Jeremiah, who said, thus saith the Lord, or any of the other prophets who says, thus says the Lord, this is what God says, hear what God says. And when they said, thus says the Lord, Elijah, or none of the prophets ever said, thus says the Lord. Well, you know, here's what I think he'd say, (laughs) right? No, no, no. When they said, thus says the Lord, they said God's word. And imagine speaking firsthand God's word. Do you think you're going to be quick to follow that up with your own opinion? I I don't think so. I think think the humility that that has to produce uh, is just, uh, would make you despise your own wisdom, would make you despise your own thoughts. The fear of the Lord is, is the beginning of wisdom, and with it comes humility. Chapter 10, verse 27. We'll learn a principle here that's important for understanding Proverbs. Chapter 10, verse 27. The fear of the Lord 
prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. Now, here's the principle that you need to know. is Proverbs is, is a book of, of godly wisdom and advice. It is a book of principles, not a book of promises. Right? It is saying, this is the way it normally... It doesn't Because we all know the good die young, right? Uh, which doesn't mean they always do. But, but uh, sometimes bad things happen to good people. Sometimes people who, have, who are being good live the shorter lives, and the people who are doing bad live the longer lives. And we go, God, where's the justice? And, and, and we say that. And so it's not a promise. He's not saying this will always happen, always, ever. But it's a principle. And as a rule, good people outlive bad people. As a rule, people who live wisely outlive people who live foolishly, right? Famous last words of a redneck? <laughs> I was going to say, hold my beer. but <laughs> Yeah, because what's he going to He's going to do something that's going to kill him because he's, you know, not that I want to make fun of rednecks, but, you know, <laughs> at the wrong place. But you guys understand what I'm saying. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. It's hard, to, it's hard to talk about Hebrew words and say, I am a redneck. <laughs> but y'all, y'all know what I mean here. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, the fear of the Lord prolongs life. It's a principle. Sometimes the good do, do die young. As a rule, people who live wisely outlive fools. Tied with this, Proverbs 14.22, because there's more than one, again, with this one. Sorry, 1427. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life by which one may avoid the snares of death. Ungodly things are dangerous. Godly things, you know what? Godly things are dangerous too. Godly things like standing in a crowd of atheists and saying, I love Jesus. <laughs> that can be dangerous. Going to... to uh, Iran or Iraq or, or one of those places and, and wearing a Christian T-shirt, that could be dangerous, right? Uh, martyrs, people die for their faith. So godliness can be dangerous. But as a rule, wise people who live wisely outlive fools, and it guides us to avoid the snares of death, the things that, that so often kill people. Proverbs 14.26, for, uh, it gives you confidence, in the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence, and his children will have a refuge. When you live to please God, God is on your side. Or let me put it a better way. When you live to please God, you are on God's side. <laughs> and because you are on God's side, you have tremendous confidence because he is with you. 1516, it gives satisfaction. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and turmoil with the treasure. Right? Uh, better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with turmoil and treasure. Fear of the Lord gives you satisfaction. 16.6. By mercy and truth, atonement is made for wrongdoing, and by the fear of the Lord, one keeps away from evil. It keeps you from doing wrong in the first place. This is the standard, standard teaching of fear of discipline, right? Uh, don't want to get spanked? I won't do that. I never learned that lesson. <laughs> I had, I don't know, thick, thick, thick skull, thick skin, I guess, I don't know. Proverbs 22, 4. Riches, honor, and life. 
The reward of humility and the fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. Again, principle, not a promise. And, and when it says riches, let's keep that in perspective. Uh, riches are a relative. Not necessarily wealthy, but you know, the foolish, there, there's, a, there's waste in foolishness. Uh, we all know what it is to spend your money foolishly, right? Uh, and, and so there's waste in foolishness. And so it's relative. It, your, your, your riches are not eroded by, by the wastefulness of foolishness. And, and he adds honor and the fear of the Lord leads to the kind of life that people respect. You see someone who lives, not, not in terror of the Lord, but, but with a healthy fear of the Lord. I'm going to go about here, you know, somewhere shy of that awesome reverence, because I still don't understand it. Uh, but, but somewhere over here, this, this fear of the Lord keeps you living a, a life, a, a life desiring to respect him, those things. If you live that life, you've got a life that is honorable, and people see that, and they respect you. Whether They'll probably never walk up and say, yo, man, I respect you, right? but, but they do. 23.17. Do not let your heart envy sinners, but live in the fear of the Lord always. Fear of the Lord protects you from envying sinners. Because sometimes the sinners prosper. Sometimes they seem to get everything their way. Sometimes they seem to thrive, and, and the world just works for them. And you can be envious. But the fear of the Lord, what is it you fear about the Lord? Well, I fear his punishment. Guess what? They don't. Because you fear the Lord, you are taking steps to avoid that wrath of the Lord. You live pleasing to him. They don't. What you, what you are avoiding, they're not. And so you don't have to envy them. In fact, what you should do is pity them and hope you can reach them with the gospel. So as we look at all these different things, we, we find that the fear of the Lord is really, really good for us. It guides us to doing right. And you can choose not to fear the Lord, but if you do that, you'll only hurt yourself. Now let me tell you what fear can do to you. You've got two verses. Proverbs 29, 25. This is not the fear of the Lord. What is this? This is the fear of man. The fear of man brings a snare, but the one who trusts in the Lord will be protected. And the fear of man is contrasted with trusting God. Fear of man prompts action. If, if fear of man prompts action that you would not do if you trusted God, uh, then it is, it is causing you to do wrong and you're stepping into a trap. But I'm afraid of what people will think of me but I'm afraid of what people will say about me, or even I know what they'll think of me. I know what they'll say about me. And so to avoid what they, they will say or what they will think, we do something that is not consistent with the fear of God. Fear of man has... I'm, I'm, I, as I do this, I step over here, I picture a big noose on the ground, you know, with a, a rope that's about to spring up and hang me upside down. That's what I picture when I, when I step over that, just so you, you share my picture for a second. You, you stepped into a trap and you are caught. And you go, what am I caught in? Well, you're caught in a lie. You're caught in a sin. You're caught in a relationship. You're caught by guilt that you can't escape, right? And the thing is, is you can escape. You can escape by turning to God, but it's easier and better to avoid it in the first place because for some reason, once you're in that trap, you don't want to turn to God because you have, then you have to admit to God what you've done wrong. And you're ashamed to do that. So the fear of man is a snare. That's what fear can do to you. And then 1024 is the one I'm going to 
finish with. Proverbs 10, verse 24. This is an interesting one. What the wicked fears will come upon him, but the desire of the righteous will be granted. If you want to talk about the fear of God and you are not currently living pleasing to God, this verse should scare the bejeebers out of you. What the wicked fears will come upon him. You know, right across the page on my Bible, I'm looking at Proverbs 10.24 right here, and right over here is Proverbs 9.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And right here is what the wicked fears will come upon him, but the desires of the righteous will be granted. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That verse should start you on a journey into wisdom. If that doesn't do it, then verse 24 should start you on a journey into wisdom as you read that what the wicked fear should come upon him. Because what does the wicked fear? And, and, and by the way, this is not some cutesy thing. Like, he's, he, this guy's scared of rats, so he's going to be tortured by rats. <laughs> I'll teach him. That's poetic, I guess, or gruesome. I don't think that's re- re- remotely what he's saying. What does the wicked fear? He fears getting caught, right? He fears getting made to pay. You know what the wicked fears? The wicked fears justice. Whatever happens, don't let me experience justice. Don't make me face justice. Don't make me pay for what I have done. What the wicked fears will come upon him. Right? What the wicked fears will come upon him, but the desire of the righteous will be granted. What, what, you know what the wicked fears is absolutely getting what he deserves. And he will get exactly what is just and right. And he will get what he fears. This is real simple closing for me. If you do not have Jesus Christ as your Savior, you should be afraid. Yeah, you should, be, you should be terribly afraid because what the wicked fears will come upon him. All those things that you know you have done that deserve justice, that cry out for justice, that will come back to you. I have a T-shirt. Some of you have seen my T-shirt. I, I first saw this shirt on, a, on my daughter-in-law, Michelle, when I went and did my one fun run of the last 30 years, <laughs> maybe only 20, I'm not sure, and I did a fun walk, just in case anybody's curious, uh, and she wore a T-shirt that said, sweating like a sinner in church. <laughs> and I, and I, said, I said, that's a cool T-shirt. So guess what she bought me? <laughs> if you are a sinner in church, I, I this message... It either made you uncomfortable or it bored you. And I apologize if it bored you, but I don't apologize if it made you uncomfortable. I don't apologize if it made you sweat. I don't apologize if you realize I have not feared the Lord and I need to, I, I need to, I, I hope you simply open your eyes to the fear that you ought to have. You're caught. You will ex- receive exactly what you fear, the just penalty of your sin. Or you can use that fear to turn you to Christ. 
That punishment, that same punishment that you deserve is why we have a cross up here. Because Jesus went on that cross and he took your punishment. He didn't take his own punishment. He didn't die as an example. He didn't die to show us a courageous example of how we should live and die. He didn't die because he had to get off the world some way because he'd done his job. That, is, that was his job. He came into the world to die for sinners. He took your punishment. He took my punishment on that cross, and he paid the full amount. And that you can use that fear, because if you don't accept what he did for you, then you have to do it for yourself. Only, only you're not him, and you don't get to rise from the dead like he did. You are stuck with that eternal punishment. Use that fear to drive you to Christ. He took it for you. He can forgive you. And let that fear be the beginning of wisdom for you. If you haven't trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you need to do that. It's, it's not hard. It's easy. The hard part he already did. You know what's hard? I'll tell you what's hard about it is pride. In order to say, I need Jesus to save me from my sins, you have to say, I need a Savior. You have to say, I'm in trouble. I have messed up. I can't get to heaven. I deserve hell. You have to say, I am not good enough to do it myself. Your pride gets in the way. Why do I, how do I know that? Because <laughs> I face that. And, and, and accepting Christ as your Savior is both the easiest thing and maybe one of the hardest things you'll ever do. Because you, it, it, if it's not hard, it's not honest. I think. But it's the wise thing to do. Let's close in prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that you loved us so much. While we were sinners, you died for us. And you paid the price of our sin while we were rebels. While we were guilty. You took away our sins. And Lord, I ask if there's anyone here today who has not trusted you as their Savior, and they need to do that, that you would move them to do it now. That they would trust you and take you. I pray in Jesus' name.